Make God's Word the standard for your life. The glory of God in the face of Christ is an open field for every willing heart to participate in the divine life produced by the death and resurrection power of Jesus. 1 John 2.6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. The world around you may say that's impossible, but by understanding the divine life and yielding to the Holy Spirit daily, he'll help us to live as Christ did. Adonai desires to make the humankind more like Christ. It's not an event, it's a daily walk. Are you willing? Let's listen to today's message. Who is a spiritual Christian? Number two. A spiritual Christian is one who desires to be holy rather than happy. The spiritual Christian desires holiness above happiness. And this happiness that I'm talking about is the happiness that the world presents to us. See, there's another kind of happiness that agrees with the holiness of God. In fact, the man who is called happy by God is a holy man. So this happiness that I'm talking about, that the holy man or the spiritual man does not desire but desires to be holy, is the happiness of the world. We live in a world that is constantly teaching us to live life to be happy, if it makes you happy. And perhaps different people mean different things, but my experience with the happiness of the world has been this kind of feeling that always makes you feel good and comfortable. So I want to be happy in anything I do. And it's a good, it's, it's a good thing but not in the way that the world teaches. Young people now are taught to be happy above everything, above being disciplined, above being diligent. If your diligence is going to cost you your happiness, stop being diligent. If your truthfulness is going to cost you your happiness, then stop being truthful. If your integrity is going to cost you your happiness, then stop being a person of integrity. And we, we live in a world that is full of teachings like that. Now, they don't say it directly, but if you look closely at what the world teaches, a lot of the times, it is just how I feel. If, if I feel happy, then it's good. You would hear somebody leaving his marriage or her marriage, and the reason would be that I just don't feel happy. I, I it's, I just don't feel happy in this relationship and I want out. I don't want to stay in this relationship anymore. Why? Because I'm not happy. Because I don't feel, I'm, I'm not having the comforts of life that I desire. And friends, any life that is lived on the basis of this kind of happiness is a life that is set up for disappointment. Because the ground, the foundation is weak. And this is what we are constantly fed by the world that we live in. The young person now makes a post on social media and when nobody likes it or when only a few people like it, isn't happy. It's, it's a fragile happiness. It's happiness that doesn't last. And thank God he, pro he provides a better kind of happiness for us, one that is grounded in Christ. And that is the kind of happiness that I want to know. 
I ask myself, so does God care about me being happy? What does he say about my happiness? What does his word say? What, who is the one God calls happy? I want to know that. I would often hear that, oh, in making decisions, just follow your heart. Just, just do what feels good. And I never quite well understood that. You mean this heart that is filled with all kinds of desires that I can see would clearly lead to death? That is a heart that you want me to listen to? In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I don't even know what that heart is. And I constantly heard from the young and the old, just, just follow your heart. But you see, the heart of the born-again Christian isn't the heart as described by the world. In Ezekiel chapter 36, God promised to give us a new spirit and a new heart. He said, I'll take away the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. So my desire is to know the desires of this new heart that I've had in Christ. What is this new life calling for? What does it want? Away from the heart that I used to have, the heart that is constantly bringing up all these desires that, by the way, I didn't even care about any other person, but only myself. I just wanted to fulfill the desires of that heart. And people do that at the expense of others. There are crooks in the world. There are cruel men in the world who would go at length to please themselves, satisfy their desires, feel happy, and homes are torn apart, hearts are broken, nations are destroyed. But there is another kind of heart. There is another kind of life. There is another kind of spirit. That is the new spirit, the new heart that I have in Christ, having been born again having been renewed according to the order of Christ. And so I'm, I want to talk about who God calls happy. And as I walk with him daily, I want to be that kind of person. God says, this kind of man is happy in my sight. I want to be that kind of man. So first of all, I'm going to share with you some truths that I've learned in the Bible about who is happy, who a happy man is, who a happy Christian is. That is not the happiness defined in the world. And then secondly, I'll talk about the holiness of God and the fact that a spiritual Christian desires to be holy rather than to be happy as the world defines it. And in fact, when a man desires to be happy in Christ, he's walking on the path of holiness. The truth is that when a man desires to be happy in the way that God has designed happiness to be, he is at the same time walking on the path of holiness. But you see, the devil is so cunning that he's changed our understanding of what happiness is, such that when I desire to be happy, it now becomes all of me and nothing of God. It's just about me and how I feel. Whereas in the happiness of God, in the true happiness of God, it is me and God. It is me and God. And that leads to holiness. And that is the desire of the spiritual man. So the spiritual man desires to be holy. So, number one, one who is saved by the Lord. And number two, 
one whose God is the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 29, the Bible talks about Israelites being a happy nation, a happy people because they are saved by the Lord. So in the eyes of God, if you are saved by him, you are happy. And I, I, for a long time in my Christian walk, I didn't, I didn't know this. So how, how many times do I wake up in the morning and look upon the salvation that I have from Christ and ponder over it and think about the depth of it and see what it does to my soul? How do I feel when I think about the salvation that I have from Christ? To live and not perceive how important that is in itself puts me in an unhappy place because I don't even know what my salvation means. And the Bible says that the man who is saved by the Lord, he is happy. Why? Because I know the man inside me without this salvation. It's not hard to look deep within me and see how worthless I can be without the, the, the salvation of the Lord. With all the evil thoughts, with all the evil intent, with all the weaknesses that I have within me, I'm not different from the murderer who is put on trial in the court. I'm not different from any bad person that you hear of in the news. The only thing is that I've been touched. And to think of that, that the God who made me delights so much in me that he's called me out. It's profound. It's overwhelming. It leads one to ask the question, why, why me? Why, why me? Why, why, did, why do you have to save me? We usually like to argue over why God is unloving because he's saved some and he's not saved others. And we want to know why he hasn't saved others. But the most important question before you even move to asking that is to ask yourself, why, why have you saved me with all these saints and weaknesses that are in me? And to really understand that is to be happy. It, it, it leaves you in a happy mood, in a happy state. That the one who made me, the one whom I, I stand accused, says that you're not accused. You, you, you're free to go. And in fact, I love you. I invite you to dine with me. I invite you to walk with me. Isn't this something that makes one happy? I think Christians are supposed to be the happiest of all people. And yet, the devil deceives us and plays with our minds and we don't even see the riches of the glory of God in Christ. We are not even able to tell how special we are to God. That God, the one who made me, died for me. This is incredible. This doesn't happen anywhere. That a shepherd dies for the sheep. That a sheep might live. This is amazing. So the man who is saved by the Lord, he is the one who is happy. And I am saved by the Lord. You see, it's a knowing first. It's not a doing. When we think about happiness, we are told to well, do this. If you do this, you are, you're going to be happy. If you do that, you're going to be happy. It's a knowing first. It's an identity issue. Do you know that you're saved by, by the Lord? 
oh, then you're happy. It's a pronouncement. It's, it's like happiness has been conferred, conferred on, 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 onto me. I am pronounced happy. Why? Because I am saved by the Lord. I am removed from the wrath of God. The wrath of God that can crush me has been taken off. He says, my wrath is not against you anymore. I give you my love. You are saved. And by virtue of that, I am a happy man. I don't live life condemned. I don't live life in fear. I don't live life without hope. I am beloved. The Bible says we are accepted in the beloved. Christ is the beloved of God. It's not me. It's the son. He's the one who is in the bosom of the father. He's the one who is loved above all things of the father or by the father. And I am in him. And because I'm accepted in him, I'm accepted as him. This is mysterious. And that makes me happy. That no one, Paul says in Romans 8, who can bring a charge against the elect of God? It's Christ who died. And furthermore, he's resurrected. So no one can present a charge against me before God. I'm giving a clean conscience. This isn't happiness. Then what else is happiness? To live life full of hope, full of assurance, full of faith, full of love. That's what Christ has wrought for us. And I am happy about that. Before I start going to church, before I start doing anything, even for God, I am just loved. I am saved. And I'm just happy. And it's one of the parts that I love to walk every single day of my life. Just behold the salvation of God and think of how my life would be without it. What would I be? What would I be thinking? What kind of hope would I have? How would my life be? Look at all the, the wisdom of the Bible, the treasures of God, the revelation of God. Take all of that out of my life. When, when trouble looms at my door, what would be my defense? What would I do? I would be so helpless. And that is happiness, folks. So a happy man, a happy Christian is the one who is saved by the Lord. And it's a knowing. You have to know it. You have to tell it to yourself. You have to affirm it to yourself. I am saved of God. I am not condemned. Put yourself in that mood because you've been placed there. And the happiness is going to manifest. A happy man is one whose God is the Lord. Psalm 144 verse 15, the Bible says, Happy is the man whose God is the Lord. I'll show you an example. I think of Jesus and the robber that the Gospel of John describes called Barabbas before the crucifixion of Christ. So Barabbas was laying in prison, awaiting his death. He had been sentenced to death. And there comes Jesus. And I, I imagine that Prison officials walking to where Barabbas was held captive, getting him out, giving him all his clothes. And in his mind, he's thinking, oh, alas, 
the time has come for me to be killed. And they walk him out and they tell him, you're free to go. <laughs> what would be his attitude? Unbelievable. I've been laying here for months, just waiting for my death. And you, just, you get me out, you give me all my stuff and you tell me, go home, you're free. And why? What changed? And I imagine the prison officials telling him, um, Jesus is going to be crucified in place of you. So you're free to go. Wow. Just, just imagine yourself in the, in the shoes of Barabbas. What would be your attitude? What would be the, the feeling that you'd have? That what? I want to know who this Jesus is. And why, why is he dying in place of me? You see, it's a thought that calls for union with the Lord. It's a thought that invites you to know him even more. It's a thought that says, he died for me, I want to know him. And it's one that can never be repaid. And so what happens? The believer is constantly striving for more of him. He, you, just, you just died for me? Can I know you? Can you tell me something? What can I do? Just say something. Should I go and take care of your family for you? Tell me something to do. And that is what drives the doing. It's the knowing that I am saved. It's the knowing that he is my Lord. That is powerful enough to drive everything in me to say, just say a word. What do you want? That is what drives submission in a spiritual man. It's not a doing first. It's a knowing. It's a believing. Do, do, do you believe? Do you know that you've been saved? Do you know that the Lord God is your God? So happy is the man who has been saved by the Lord, number one. The man whose God is the Lord, according to Psalm 144, verse 15. Let me read Psalm 144 from verse 1. The Bible says, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my love and kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man that you are mindful of him. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Then he says, I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouth speak lying words and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as pillars 
sculpted in palace style that our bands may be full, supplying all kinds of produce that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no outcry in our streets. Happy are those who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. What kind of state is David talking about? All the states that he described. He says, happy are those who are in this kind of state, who, 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 who know that their salvation comes from the Lord. Happy are those who know that it is the Lord who gives them victory. Happy are those who know that it is Him who trains their hands to fight battles. And those people, they are happy. Do you know where your salvation comes from? Do you know who gives you the power to even make wealth? Do you know that? Then you're happy. So it's not the quantum of your wealth. No, even if you have a pin, do you know who gave you the power to have that pin? If you know that and you're settled in that, you are content. You are happy. It's not in how much you have. It's in the power to have. Do you know who's given you the power to have? Do you know who has given you the salvation that you have? It is God. And the Bible calls such people happy. Number three. There's another group of people the Bible calls happy. And these are people who are corrected and chastened by God. Happy are those who are corrected or chastened by God. Job 5.17 says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. And then in verse 18 he says, He bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. He shall deliver you in six troubles, yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. And it goes on and on and on. How do we feel when we are corrected or chastened by God? Through various means, by the way. How do we respond? How do we react to it? Do we think of it as God being mean to us? Do we use it as an avenue to question God? Why, why do you have to put me through this if you love me? We listen to the word. Well, how can a loving God do this to you? But you see, we belong to a certain kingdom. To be a Christian is to be part of the kingdom. And God in his own wisdom does things in certain ways. And all that he does are good. You have to believe that. He has my interest. He's making me a better person. He treats me as son, as a son or as a daughter of the kingdom. That is the path that Jesus walked here on earth. Was he anguished? Yes, he was. Was he hungry? Yes, he was. He was. He prayed to the Father for help. Did he get help? Of course he did. And that is the path that God invites us to walk. 
not as the world works. You see, we have a polluted, mis- a, a complete misunderstanding of what love is. We think of love as something that always makes you happy. It, it, love should never make you feel any way far from happiness. But we don't even know what happiness means. All we think of is to feel good. And it's not wrong, but it's a lowly life. <laughs> it's a life for babes. It's a life for kids. Kids always want to feel good. No discomfort. No challenge. Just, just feed me when it's time. I don't have to fast. This, I want to eat when I, I feel hungry. Life of comfort. Complete comfort. That is what we call love. But that's not the love that God has. He has some, something better than that for us. What kind of love doesn't grow a person? The love of God takes us from one level of glory to another level of glory. The love of God takes us from one degree of radiance to another degree of radiance. The love of God in the face of Jesus makes us more like him. And the Bible says, happy are those who are corrected by God. And this, this, this verse is also actually in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, the Bible says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. See? So do I delight in the chastening of the Lord? Do I accept the correction of the Lord? Or do I reject it and rebel against it? Then I'm not a son. And we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And God treats me as, as a son. And so he corrects me. He rebukes me. He chastens me. That I would conform to who he is and what he is. The, the writer of Hebrews also talks about this. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says that, Therefore we also, since we have such great cloud of witness surrounding us, we should lay aside the sin and the weight that ensnares us and run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And But right after that, from verse 3, it says, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. 
but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward, it yields the peaceable spirit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God chastens us so that we will conform to his holiness. So what does it mean to chasten or correct? It means to refine, to prune, to control edges, sometimes to rebuke. So God refines me. God rebukes me. God prunes me. There's pride in me. There, is, there could be arrogance in me. I could be a liar. I'm, I'm a son of God, yes, but he's constantly working on me, constantly working on me in different ways and in different means. So how can that kind of happiness that the world describes be my goal for life? It doesn't fit. If I always desire to be happy, to feel good and not feel challenged, that's what the Bible is saying in Hebrews. We have human fathers who rebuke us. They chasten us. When we do something that is wrong, they call us and they tell us, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. I don't want you to live this way. I don't want you to live that way. See, that's a father-child relationship. And we, we, we listen to our fathers. We take the advice. Does it feel good when they do that? No, it doesn't. So Hebrews says, when we are chastened, in the moment, it doesn't feel good. But fathers do that out of the love they have for their children. It is to help them grow. It is to help them mature. And the Bible says God does even better for us. In verse 11 again, it says, No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God has called us to partake in his holiness and we are not even fit for it. So what does he do? As a father, he trains us. As a father, he calls us to live a certain kind of life and he points out certain things to us. Well, don't do this. Don't do it this way. Don't do this. And sometimes it comes in different forms and ways. He has given us his Holy Spirit who is constantly pointing truth in us. There's a word called intuition. Intuition. Tuition that happens inside. So we call it intuition. He's constantly speaking. He's constantly telling me things. Hey, don't be rude in this manner. Hey, don't talk to your wife in this way. That's not how I want you to treat your wife. Hey, listen, listen. Pay attention when people are talking to you. Listen to them. Give them your audience. He's constantly teaching me in diverse ways. And usually he uses the people who are close to us, my wife, my immediate family, my friends, brothers and sisters at church, they are going to say something. And that is the mark of the spiritual Christian. That is the kind of happiness God desires that we have, that we delight in his chastening, knowing what he's doing in us. And the Bible calls such people happy. Why? Because they know that their father loves them. Because they know that the chastening of their father is for their good. And they delight in it. They delight to hear from God. They want to, they want to hear the, their father speak. God, talk to me. What are you saying about this? 
How should I talk to my wife? How, how should I treat her? What am I not doing right? And when God speaks, when God says, I, I want you to talk to your wife in this way, in this manner. I want you to treat your friends in this way, in this manner. They say, thank you, Father. Now I know. Because they know that the word of their father is life. It's going to save them from trouble. So as a husband, how do I listen to my wife? Can my wife even advise me? Can my wife say, I think you should do it this way, honey. As a wife, can my husband advise me? Can my, can my husband talk to me about something that I'm doing that perhaps I'm not seeing it well as he is? Can I trust God to speak through him? Can I trust God to speak through her? My colleagues at church, my brothers and sisters at church. So God does this for us, all around us, to make us better, to grow us as sons, to make us more holy. And that is the picture of a happy man. And I want to be there. God says that if I trust in you, you are happy. <laughs> I want it more than anything. I want to be happy your way. I want to be the man God sees and says, you are happy because I trust in you. What a privilege. You, you, you delight so much in me that you're going to tell me when I'm wrong, that you're going to correct me. And not just that you're going to help me to grow. Of course, I am happy that I have him as my Lord. So there's a clear distinction between happiness as, at least as I have head of it in the world and the kind of happiness God has called me to. So if this is the kind of happiness that I want, then I'm on the path of holiness. If I'm on the other side, not even knowing what God calls happy, then I'm not in the path of holiness. It's, it's clear. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus addressed a letter to the Laodicean church. Laodicea was one of the churches in the seven churches in Asia Minor. In Revelation chapter 3 from verse 14, the Bible says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. And in verse 18, it says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And it says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So 
this is how Jesus addressed the Laodicean church. And when I look at a lot of churches that I've been, I've been in, in my own life, I'm no different from the Laodicean church. I see complete resemblance that, oh, we, we have food to eat. I have clothes to wear. I don't need anything. I don't, I'm not a needy person. I'm working. I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm getting by. And Jesus said, you don't know that you're wretched. You don't know you're naked. Oh, if only you would buy of me, buy from me gold that is tried in the fire. If you would get from me things that are not perishable, things that are bigger than bank accounts, so that you would be rich eternally. If only you would buy from me white garments. Let me clothe you and cover your nakedness. So even in our comfort, we are miserable. Even in our comfort, we are not complete. Don't we hear it all the time? Wealthy men committing suicide. Kids who you, you, you might look at and think they have no need. Still wretched. Jesus said, oh, buy from me. White garment, let me clothe you so that your nakedness will not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye self that you may see. We are blind. And he says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous. When I rebuke you, be zealous. Don't, don't resist. Don't detest. Don't resist my rebuke. Be zealous for me and repent. Be zealous and repent. Then he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. See, we quote this scripture to unbelievers, people who are now in the process of believing in Christ. Jesus was speaking to a church. Jesus was speaking to people like me and you. People who call themselves believers. So Jesus is telling me that, hey, I'm standing at your door and I'm knocking. If only you would hear my, my voice and let me in, let me in. I'll fill you with treasures. That is the way of wisdom. That is what wisdom looks like. The Bible says wisdom calls out in the streets. Let me, let me make you rich. Let me open your eyes. See the hidden things of life. Let me show you my mystery. The Bible says that the secret of the Lord is with them who fear him. And unto them he makes known his mystery. The scripture says that the glory of God is to conceal a matter. The glory of kings is to search out a matter. And Christ says, let me in. Let me clothe you. He says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the Spirit is speaking, but am I hearing? The Spirit longs for me, but am I hearing? See, there are three qualities or characteristics of people who are going to spend eternity with God. In Revelation chapter 17, the Bible talks about the beast making war with the lamb, and he says that, but the lamb will overcome them because he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And those who are with him 
They are called, they are chosen, and they are faithful. Revelation 17, 14. To those who are with Christ, they are called, they are chosen, and they are faithful. But maybe I'm called, maybe I'm chosen, but am I faithful? Even at the chastening of God? The Bible says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. May we endure the chastening of God. May God give us grace to walk in his chastening. Now, a perfect example of a man who stood the chastening of God is David. I have always loved the attitude of David in respect to responding to the chastening of God. In 2 Samuel, the Bible talks about David committing adultery with Bathsheba. And the Bible says that God sent his prophet Nathan to David. And after Nathan had given him a brilliant story, and after David had, you know, displayed his ignorance about what Nathan was talking about, Nathan called him out and said, it, it's, it's you. You're the one I'm talking about. And what does David do? He goes into a room, shuts himself, and calls on God. Knowing he had sinned, knowing he had erred, he wants to hear from no other man, not even from the prophet of God. He just wants to hear from God. He didn't eat. He didn't drink. He just shut himself with God and cried and called upon God. And God spoke. And God said, the child is going to die. See, God was chastening him. God was correcting him. So I made you king. But you don't do that. Because of what you have done, I don't want my name to be defamed among the nations. Don't do that. That's not how I want you to live as a king. And because of that, I'm going to take the life of the child. But you and I, we are good. God corrects David. And right after that, David comes out and he has a feast. Why? God has spoken. That is the attitude that I want as a Christian. It's hard. It doesn't feel good that my action or David's action caused the death of an innocent child. It's painful. Yet, his delight was to be in the counsel of God. So this is the attitude of a man who is constantly falling, of God, falling on God for counsel. He loves the chastening of the Lord. He just wants God to speak. And what he speaks is life. It's not just good. It is life itself. And the Bible calls such a man happy. And I want to be that kind of man. So number one, one who is saved by the Lord is a happy man. Number two, one whose God is the Lord. And number three, the one who God corrects and rebukes or chastens. That is a happy man. Thank you for tuning in to Glory Field. If this message edified you, please make a personal commitment to act on it. Prioritize building a deeper fellowship with the Holy Spirit and never neglect prayer. He's ever willing to indwell you and make you more like Christ. We encourage you to find a community of believers who also desire to be like Christ. God's faithful. He'll order your steps in righteousness. We love you and we agree in prayer with you to be obedient to Christ Jesus.